You're tapped in to an X-Men shortcast for the black queer perspective. 10 minutes of the unapologetic, the unfiltered, and the undeniable. Join me as I race the clock with old and new friends talking mutants, mess, meaning, and much, much more. This is Immortal X of Words. Loaded question. That's how we're supposed to start this off. That is literally how we're supposed to start off. That's your homie, so I'm gonna let you start. <laughs> I call him my son because I see so much of myself in Prodigy. Yeah. Um, I love him so much. Okay, I love I and and I love him so much because of my like very active and intentional effort of loving myself so much. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh. But, like, a lot. I think, like, I was a gifted Black kid in, yeah. like, a relatively diverse but still predominantly white town. Uh, and then, like, I went to a predominantly white institution for undergrad. So then I went from being in a diverse place that was predominantly yeah. white to, like, a predominantly white like very rural eastern shore small school with like all white kids right uh and uh i feel for the projection of um like the white lens that is cast over prodigy by fundamentally like white leadership white writers white vision but even in story white leadership right um, that uh, yeah. is like loses the capacity for Prodigy to be able to truly like uh, be exercised as a character who has a psychic gift that fundamentally connects him to everyone around him. And then it like comes into his queerness. Like that's such a rich, beautiful black story. You know what I yeah. mean? And he doesn't get that. And it's not fair. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thank you. I've got a couple of points based on what you said, but I'll hold them for when we're careful to timer. Uh, Alex, why don't you tell me whether there is, if anything, something that connects you to Prodigy? Um. Now I will say for <laughs> the, the octave raise of a lie. I will. I will say for the sake of full disclosure uh, that this episode was, you know, somewhat impromptu, and I do like to come in a little bit better read on some of these topics before I dive into them. And I'm going to just keep it a buck. I don't really, I haven't really read the Academy X stories in which Prodigy was mostly introduced. So it's not so much that I necessarily can point to things within kind of the text of Prodigy's story to say that I am or am not connected to, but I know enough about the character and especially hearing what Abella was saying to definitely say that I have had a not dissimilar experience of being a Black child who was brought up in not exclusively, but oftentimes very white surroundings, especially in terms of my education. And something that I don't know that this is different from what you were describing, Obello, but just something that kind of stands out for me is that the dichotomy that I always kind of grew up with and, you know, being a Gemini, I could manage this very well is that while we grew up in those very white surroundings, my mother in particular and my grandfather in particular were very militantly black. My yeah. grandfather marched with Martin Luther King. 
I was someone who was brought up in very white circumstances, but was always, always, always taught not to allow those circumstances to kind of take over who I am. So when I look at Prodigy and kind of the like joking version of Prodigy that, that I think we kind of create and talk about in the Discord, yeah, I definitely see how, not to get ahead of the story too much, how one could look at my critiques of Prodigy and then say, this is some sort of internalized anti-Blackness or some sort of like, uh, that I'm mad at him for being me or something. Yes, yes. He represents a part of me that I don't accept, that I need to push away. And so I've put all the bad things on him. Right. So he can be the bad object. So me and my history doesn't have to be the bad object. And I don't want to deny that as a topic or a line of thought for the purpose of this episode, but that's Mm -hmm. how we kind of got into the episode is I actually think it's much deeper than that, but nonetheless worth kind of pointing out for the sake of transparency or whatever that, yeah, I think I bring some of that baggage to this conversation uh, in the same way that Obella is maybe describing and perhaps that Ashy may be about to describe. Um, Thank you. What do I, I think I relate to i relate to being treated as something special by people who were doing so because they had low expectations of me so i think that's what i bring to this um i'm gonna tip us into the actual question (laughs) so thank you thank you for everybody if you've been holding on uh it's been i mean that's a great intro to the the two people the two lovely people that i've got sitting with me today welcome to immortal of words welcome to your unflinching unapologetically black and queer look at x-men welcome to this shortcast that is yours that is mine that is ours and today i have across from me abella say hi abella hi hi <laughs> hi why did i say that? <laughs> I've been talking to you for three fucking hours. Hi. <laughs> um, so you can follow Abella at Septum Pappy Bells. That's S E P T U M P A P I B E L L S. That's it. Yes. Septum Pappy Bells. You got it. Yeah. Uh, next, you can meet Alex. Say hi, Alex. Hi, y'all. Uh, this is Alex, Alexandra. At she may be a witch on Instagram because I know Ash is about to say it wrong. Damn, I was. <laughs> See, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. literally going to say she might be a witch. Like, why do I not like the word "may"? What has? Made I've it? been here a few times, so I already know how this goes, and I'm prepared oh. for the conversations that we're going to have to have when you post this later. So I'm just yes. trying. To- <laughs> Sorry. Um, I love you. <laughs> Anyhow, um, welcome, welcome to the episode. I am going to tell you what the fuck we're talking about today. We are talking about Prodigy. We had like a, a really interesting conversation about Prodigy as a character. Septum, Papi, Bells, Abella jumped out the gate to be number one, David Alain Protector. <laughs> Period, that's my son. <laughs> he, said, he said, brothers and sisters, in Jehovah's name today, you will not be dragging down any type of David or any type of Alain. <laughs> Me, I'll die on this hill. 
which is weird actually if you didn't know this about me because my dad's name is actually david Allen. wow i used to say i was son of prodigy on twitter before he started doing um some of his kunri and i decided decided i didn't want to stand behind him anymore Mm. but oh my baby these are the things that you didn't quite get into in the cerebro episode that are more appropriate for this circle right now (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um he used to be my my avatar because that is my my dad's namesake um but he's going to be the topic of our question and today we know prodigy has a history of really only dating white men and now he's giving very much sort of troy savan um giving very much (laughs) He is. It's giving a uh, feel the rush in a way that I'm not. Nah. <laughs> See, and now nah, I need you to run back and clock the joke there because the boyfriend is speedy. <laughs> Too shy. <laughs> but yeah, so we know that um, David Allen has basically really only ever been attracted to people who are non-black, doesn't seem to have a huge amount of black connections. And so we are going to talk today about what David Allen means, because a lot of black people talk about him like he is a seller or he is a coon, and there's textual support for that position. But uh, Abella has some um, some good takes, so we're going to talk about it. But the, the, the official question for today is, is Prodigy a sellout or an accidental mirror? So with that, I am going to hit the timer. And our X starts now. Well, I wanted to ask before we really dig into this subject, Obella, you have referred to Prodigy as your son. Um, I don't want to get too deep into your business, but like, do you really see this relationship as a parent-son type deal or are you into this imaginary boy? And I'm not critiquing you being into an imaginary boy. I'm into all kinds of imaginary people. But I'm just saying, like, do you like this boy or do you like this boy? (laughs) No, I really mean my son. And I say that also because, um, like, as a therapist, right, I'm a therapist in, in, in my free time. It is fun to unpack the ways that we have internalized whiteness, internalized anti-Blackness, internalized homophobia, and the way that we engage with the world, and the way that we, like, shape our perceptions, and the way that we, like, experience attraction, and the way that we exercise, like, passions and certain goals. But I even remember that, like, they Mm. gave him this, like, falsified future vision where he was essentially like yes. like super president, but like in a bad way and like took control of everything, right? And like- He went beast. He went, yeah, he went beast, he went beast, right? Um, and that that in and of itself feels like just like exactly the entire metaphor because like you have even like forced his potential vision of the best possible thing that he and his powers could make him be as this just like vehicle of like colonialism, right? And like, that's so gross and it's so not true. Oh, I hate it. I I I always dislike that story and felt like it shows a lack of imagination that if this powerful black mind, you know, was able to use that power more effectively, obviously the only thing that could happen is for him to go be evil. Yeah, exactly. And I think there are more possibilities. Black self-actualization has always been a risk. And I think like Nega Obama. Exactly. But there's always this deep um what the fuck? Nega Obama. I like that. 
<laughs> there's, I think there's this deep psychological thing that is taught to all white people all through their lives that black people are, to some degree, a risk. A, a risk or a danger that needs to be managed and carefully policed. And uh, we are a grenade. They treat us like grenades. And that story was the logical end for a white person looking at what a smart person is capable of. Yes. A smart, a black person who is too empowered is a danger to us all. And that is a lesson that I think whiteness has been teaching itself for generations. And it's tough to read a comic that is that writ large. Or even just the baseline assumption that power would have to be used to subjugate or colonize because what else is it good for? Exactly. As, as if fully realized niggas give a fuck about any of this shit. Mm. Any of this shit. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's just such boring writing. Do you know what interests me also? Uh, we talked, I talked with Connor in another episode about how the story that Emma Frost told us about Astrid Bloom might have been a distortion based on Emma's perspective. And I would love for us to revisit Prodigy's story and realize that what he was watching was the fears of the telepaths that put it in his head and not his future. And I would love, the thing that I would love is for them to realize through Destiny or uh, Rachel or some sort of chronos skimming person who could go back and look at past possibilities that had they let David access his retention, we would have hit Krakoa 20 years earlier. Period. I, Bring because, Astrid back. She's the one who's going to save my baby. Yeah, because it's hilarious to me that that prodigy being empowered did not lead to liberation, but somehow we had to get it through the destruction. So liberation is only achieved when white people really get it right. You know? Like, I, I would love for us to go back and suddenly realize that there were many routes to Krakoa, some of them faster, some of them more robust, but we didn't get them because we had this myopic idea that success, liberation, freedom, uh, and and the, the good things could only be delivered through whiteness and particularly powerful white men. Yeah, and I think some of this starts to get to some of my difficulties with the character of Prodigy, because going back to what Ovella was talking about a little bit ago in your work with, you know, real life youth who might be prodigies of their own. I think one thing that is true is that, yes, there are real life prodigies, we might say, for the sake of this conversation, who I do have a lot of empathy and compassion for. And yes, but for the grace of God, perhaps go I. That is one thing. On the other hand, prodigy is not real and is really just a cipher for blackness and queerness, which we haven't touched on as much, but we'll perhaps get to, largely created by people who are not necessarily either, let alone both of those things. So there is one way in which I critique prodigy that yes, kind of seems like a critique of the real life people who you might think of as equivalent. But at the end of the day, the real critique that I have of Prodigy is that all of these character beats that we're kind of like fixating on to characterize him in a way that's not necessarily explicitly on the page do are kind of like the mutual product of 
a version of white respectability politics and straight respectability politics born of like that early 2000s era that I do not like. So therefore, yes, in the discord, when we're having a good time and chopping it up, I will talk shit about Prodigy. But what I'm really talking shit about is the engine of white and straight writers who have created this thing that we call Prodigy. Prodigy at the end of the day is not actually a black person because he's not actually a person. Yeah. Right. And and also, right, like the the prodigy that is being critiqued exists, right? Like like there are plenty of those kids that I'm talking about who aren't in therapy trying to unpack those things. Yeah. Right. Twitter becomes a vehicle for people's need to exercise their experiences of shame and guilt that are self-imposed. Right. The the like the the colloquial hate of prodigy is a projection of like upsetness that people feel at themselves for times where they have behaved in line with the core nature that like people are upset with prodigy about. And to me, if we shifted that lens towards the compassion that we actually owe that character, right? And owe ourselves, right? Because we are vehicles of our social engineering, which we don't have control over uh, uh, Ash's metaphor, right? Like we we are, whether or not we decided to, we're in the pool water, right? Like, uh, uh, like we're wet, right? Like let's, let's, let's towel off Prodigy. Let's not shame him me down. to stay in the pool. That is, I, I love what you said there about shame because I feel like it speaks to the broader thing of. Sorry, I hate speaking like that. I mean, you know, podcast, but it speaks to. Basically, I've, no, I need to. I need to learn on this fucking podcast to just say what the fuck I mean. Like, <laughs> if you're hearing this, you've reached the end of the extra words preview. To hear this full episode and a whole heap of other behind the scenes stuff, head over to Patreon and join us on the Quiet Council. That's patreon.com forward slash X of words. We'll see you over there. Someone that choke, someone I feel aside.